0: Hi, I'm Eric, also known as v 47 from the Ranger Command Power Hour and the Starfleet Escape Podcast. You're listening to another great Four-Eyed Radio product. For more shows, check out FourEyedRadio.com. It's Morphin' Time! up and web snappers! And my spider senses take tingling. Me.
1: anybody else's spider sense tingling welcome to walloping web snappers a spider-man podcast where we dive into every spider-man cartoon ever made i'm derek and i'm doug and is your spider sense tingling it is and it feels very retro Mm-hmm. To listen to this show, find us on 4 and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit RevengeLover.com. And we'd like to take a quick moment to thank our spectacular patrons, Bo, Carl, Eric, Katie, and Simon. Speaking of patrons, uh-huh. which means speaking of Patreon, oh. we're doing something pretty cool this week. Because we're releasing three of our Patreon bonus episodes. Whoa. For everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Common thread is that all three of these Spider-Bite mini-episodes are all covering classic comics from the 60s. Uh, the ones by Stan Lee, Steve Ditko, and John Romita Sr. The ones who made Spider-Man what he is today. And uh, it's three really fun comic uh comics arcs we're looking at it's uh spidey goes hollywood the green goblin unmasked arc and the spider-man no more arc which all of those i feel like should sound familiar for one way or another i would think so yeah
0: yeah (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) if you want to know the issues we're talking about i think we probably mentioned them in the those patreon episodes but they'll also be in the show notes if you want to like read along if you've never read these older comics or Ha- want to revisit them it's a great opportunity to do it and i think we have some fun conversations um these are originally from back in may and june of 2021 which not that long ago but you know long enough ago i think our audio quality was different in those episodes so you probably can hear how much better we've gotten which is fine, i was gonna say
0: but, it's always getting better
1: <laughs> yeah 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 but uh but yeah um i mean i hope you all enjoy and if you really enjoy then you can you know become a patron and hear a whole bunch of spider bites just like these three that you're hearing today
0: exactly i was gonna say if you didn't realize we cover comics sort of regularly over there so if you like comics in addition to your cartoons you know where to look yeah yeah yeah
1: so definitely so enjoy everybody and we'll we'll be back after after those episodes
0: We are talking today... I think we're doing something today we've never really done before where we're talking about just one singular issue of a comic, right? I don't feel like we've done that before.
1: (laughs) We haven't, but I think it makes sense because it's also a very classic issue yeah. and those back in the day, they were more self-contained per issue and more stuff was in each issue because there was a oh, lot of words and writing yeah. in it. Yep. Pre-deconstructed Pre-decon- pre, like, pre-like comics. Yep.
0: So. <laughs> yep. That is one of those things that every time I go back to read comics from the sixties, uh, I'm always like, Oh, that's right. This is going to take me at least twice as long to read as a comic that yeah. I bought new at the shop uh, just the other day. You know, <laughs> it's yeah. so funny. Uh, um, ex-
1: except they were much cheaper, even comparatively uh, with inflation. Yep, so.
0: yep, yep, <laughs> yep. So what we are what we are reading today, uh, just so you all know, if you wanted to go back and, and read it before we talk about it, is The Amazing Spider-Man issue 14, uh, which is interesting for a couple of reasons. One, it just so happens to be the introduction of a character that goes on to be an iconic Spider-Man and comics character, uh, the Green Goblin. But the 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 actual thing that prompted us to read this isn't even that. <laughs> funny enough,
1: yeah. nothing um, to do with Green Goblin whatsoever. Nope, actually, <laughs> no. Nope.
0: But it, it, you know, but you know, it, it ended up being a fun coincidence that it happened to be his introduction. The reason we're we're reading this is because we just watched an episode recently of Spider Man and His Amazing Friends that's clearly inspired by this issue. Uh, it's like one of those stories that I. I keep sort of being delighted by where I'm like, oh man, this story was told in the first couple of years and they're still sort of retelling it or they're still inspired by it, you know? So this would have been an episode of amazing friends, like 20 years later where they were like, Hey, remember that time when, and here you go, uh, that guy tried to put Spider-Man into a movie, <laughs> like, Yeah, you know? And I feel like because Spider-Man and Peter Parker are who they are, the sort of story of somebody trying to, Uh, give spider-man a what should be an obviously suspicious job opportunity uh but for lucrative uh for you know for lucrative reasons uh never seems to go away so i think it's it's sort of like a fun fun issue to read as sort of the first opportunity or one of the first first moments like this where it's like you should have seen through this buddy (laughs)
1: It is. Yeah, I think it's funny having just watched the amazing friends version of this of this comic like what things are the through lines, like what continues. Yeah. And then what what, you know, what what's expanded on and then what's just like left out completely. Yeah, cuz it's um, not
0: one for one. It's very obviously just like, yeah. hey, remember that time Spider-Man went to Hollywood and they were like, yeah, that was fun, and they took pieces from this story and included them, but it's not I mean, the villain isn't even the same. That the, the yeah. Amazing Friends uses Mysterio, um, and this uses the Green Goblin. So
1: yeah, and even other ones like I know that you know Ultimate Spider-Man, the the comic, not the cartoon. I'm sure the cartoon probably does a version of this too, to be honest. But um, the uh, the comic Ultimate Spider-Man has an entire Hollywood arc that is also about oh, wow. <laughs> the Spider-Man movie. <laughs> and I think Doc Ock is the main villain in that one. I don't remember much about it though. Mm, um, okay. Yeah, but. You know, like yeah, it's just, it has been done a lot, but I don't know if this exact, if if like this exact structure of like who the villain is and everything has really been continued. And I think maybe because like other villains make more sense in the context, and there's more room to expand upon that idea of Spider-Man being duped to be in a movie that's actually going to kill him. Like well, later on, yeah. it's expanded upon more because this book barely touches on that in
0: like retrospect yeah there are other villains that make way more sense but like in this case like it's a brand new villain so it's just like yeah "Yeah, okay i guess it would be this weird costume guy
1: (laughs) yeah well yeah it is fun in the context of this being the green goblins debut because it's sort of like oh yeah he's uh you know he's obviously a very theatrical colorful villain so yeah he would be a kind of showman who would who would be involved in like a Hollywood movie story. That's kind of fun and silly, right? Cool. Like I kind of get it. And then got, and then he just sort of evolved to be a lot more menacing for various reasons beyond that. But, but you like can I kind see of see it do here. Get like it. you can see where he yeah. ends
0: up going because this this issue also involves the enforcers, and Green Goblin talks about how his goal is to eliminate Spider-Man so that he can than be the boss of the enforcers and basically take over the criminal underworld like it's there you know what i mean but it's much more um you know it's it's much smaller in scope because it's his introduction than the actual sort of main story of what's going on in this in this issue plus this issue has like the sort of uh crossover marketing moment where they're like by the way the hulk's here too (laughs)
1: Yeah, which is so funny because, I mean, that is the one – the biggest thing that they carry over into Amazing Friends Mm -hmm. is that they also make it a Hulk crossover, except, like, it – it like, both does and doesn't make more sense in Amazing Friends. Like, it's weird (laughs) because Amazing Friends, like, sets up a precedent for the Hulk to be part of it, but at the same time – but then also introduce a bigger contrivance of – Hulk happening to be in the story where there's also a robot Hulk that Mysterio made for no reason other than deciding to make a robot Hulk. Whereas at least in this story, it's a contrivance that they just happen to stumble upon the Hulk in like the last few pages of the book. And then he just like changes the game of everything. Mm -hmm. But like, at least it's like, okay, he was just hiding out in the cave and that's it. Like it's, it's funny. It like both makes more sense, but also does it.
0: It's it's fun. It's like more of a coincidence (laughs) in its own context that they just happen to find the cave that the Hulk is hiding in. But they don't over-explain it, so you don't really question it as much as I think the Amazing Friends do, where it's like, you set up all of that? <laughs> you you did yeah. that much work to get the Hulk here? Like, why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. It's so funny. But it is funny. Like, that's that's really the main thing that carries over. Because even the Hollywood plot of this, like, the concept is there. Like, a director is more or less tricked into getting the real Spider-Man to be in his movie and the director is kind of a pawn in this to get the real Spider-Man to be in this movie where Spider-Man just going to be killed for real um but the for one the comic spends a lot less time on that storyline like yeah. once once Spidey is duped into being in Hollywood he just is uh, stuck in the desert with supervillains, and there aren't any even any like references or cameras around or anything and the director
0: um, is duped as well like the yeah. director is none the wiser um, should be suspicious because the green goblin is just some rando, but he's like a struggling yeah. director who needs like a big break. And so green goblin shows up and says, I'll get you the real Spider-Man. And so he's just kind of like, okay. And I, as I understand, unless I missed it, like has no idea green goblin is just trying to kill him. Yeah. Cause
1: green goblin does all of the stuff. Like once they're away from the set, like yeah. they get ahead of, ahead of the, uh, the film crew and then it's just like, now nah, we kill him. Um, so he's not, you know, the director isn't implicated or anything into this. Though so they still get plenty of like, f- they cram in a handful of pretty good, I think, like Hollywood satire type things because uh-huh. the the director is is like clearly kind of a hack <laughs> and his lo- i love of. the name of of his last hit movie his the name of his last hit movie was the nameless thing from the black lagoon and the murky swamp yep. and he and he says the full name multiple times too. <laughs> like they don't return to a shortened one yeah so it's like clearly a joke it's actually really funny yeah um and then he like basically like in like just accidentally like invents the remake as well he's like we'll just release the movie again under a different title and yeah. nobody will know no it'll, no it'll know. it's fine
0: it's fine it's
1: like well that's just that's exactly what people yeah. complain about hollywood now too yeah, good, it's that hasn't changed
0: good for you look remakes have always existed everybody they've yeah, always yeah, existed yeah absolutely everybody stop
1: adaptations of books have always existed and people have always hated it
0: so you're not even doing anything new (laughs) (laughs) um you know what's funny though is i still feel like and maybe it's just based purely on screen time or page time or whatever um just how much time is dedicated to the actual character i still end up finding stan blockbuster to be more sympathetic even though he's aware of what's going on and is complicit in trying to kill spider-man i still find him more sympathetic or i i find him a more enjoyable character than i do what is his name bj in this one yeah and i think it's i don't know why that is because stan blockbuster knows exactly what's going on and doesn't stop Mm -hmm. it
1: (laughs) i think he to be fair stan blockbuster is also like repeatedly threatened that's true like his life is repeatedly threatened like many times that's true the
0: director in the comic isn't he's just sort of like capitalizing on on something he's not asking enough questions about, whereas Stan Blockbuster yeah. is like, please don't kill me and take away everything.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: Fair. Good point. That's probably what makes him more sympathetic.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this guy can just, like, continue on with his film career after it's over. He's like, I'm going to make a, a movie with the Hulk now because the Hulk's in the desert. It's oh, like my and gosh. just Gets to do it. Gets off scot-free. Yeah,
0: can we talk about how this director offered Peter Parker 50000 1964 dollars? Dude. Um and then didn't yep. pay him anything more than it cost Peter to like get home on a bus with some change. I was <laughs> yep. so mad. I was like, "This son of a bitch!" <laughs> like, yeah. Yep.
1: Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, so much money. <laughs> that is so much money.
0: Yeah, that's huge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Y- y- um. Yeah. Uh, oh, the other thing that I think was so in- an interesting change uh, to Amazing Friends is that like one of the things I pointed out is that they had to basically not have spider sense in that entire episode for anything to work or make sense. Yeah. Peter has Peter's spider sense. Like, is a is an integral part of this because that's how he figures out that these things are going wrong and starts to fight back. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um. Granted, there's like not holograms and stuff in the comic because it's not Mysterio, so that's part of it. And he also doesn't have two other superpowered friends tagging along with him. Yeah. But I just think it's funny because that was a whole thing that we pointed out, and that it's just like, Yep, Spider Sense yeah. tingles because there is danger and there, then he fights and end of story. There
0: still are like it, this is still the era of like sort of I mean, I guess Spider Sense is always like this, but this is very much still in the sort of like what exactly does his spider sense do? You know, like it's definitely present and it's very important in this, this comic. But what I thought was particularly funny about how it functions in this issue is that it goes off and lets him know that the actor who's already punched him is actually a bad guy, not just an actor who punched him. Do you oh, know what yeah, I mean? So specific. Yeah, it's I don't like, really think about it's that. It's like, oh, my spider sense has alerted me to the fact that you are evil. It's very nuanced. <laughs> it's so funny.
1: And then later on, at the end of it, he's like, My spider sense is telling me that the green goblin is somewhere in the city. I just don't know where, but I know he's here. Yeah. So I have to keep an eye out for him. It's like, what <laughs> how are you perceiving these? You
0: know, I feel <laughs> these... like I feel like as I as I grew up understanding it based on like the 90s show, I always interpreted Spider Sense to be the type of thing that would alert you to immediate danger right like yeah. if someone is swinging a bat at you from behind you are you are made aware of it because it works kind of like when you when you have like a jumping spider and you get too close you like there's you're not going to catch it like it's and I don't know how or like a fly right like it just somehow yeah. knows you're there <laughs> no matter how quick you think you are. But I feel like in the early days, it was just sort of, um, it was almost like a sixth sense that wasn't activated so much as it was just ever present. And so like, it's, it's interesting to see them figure out uh, or sort of like tweak it in ways to be like, Oh, okay. So it's, you know, that like Betty Brant and Aunt May are nearby. um, But you probably just have that general sense of like, who is nearby and how much, like, how many people are nearby almost like a daredevilish power um mm-hmm. as opposed to a, a spider sense i think it's used now so it's like fun to see what they decide it does early on <laughs>
1: like, yeah yeah it's funny because it's like yeah because i you know i always picture if i'm trying to like put my mind into what spider-man is going through i'm like yeah spider sense literally tingling like you feel it feel a tingle yeah in your brain when danger is around but like then you have the, the a lot of versions of it especially the early ones are just so just these nuanced like psychic visions essentially yeah <laughs> you know <Yep. laughs> it's so funny mm-hmm. yeah I, I,
0: spider sense is is fascinating uh and it's like it, yeah. it's so iconic but it's also probably i wouldn't be surprised if it was one of the things that like writers from time to time are just like oh my god curse the spider sense like could we just have not you know like but you can't not right like it needs to be there yeah. it's so it's so integral <laughs>
1: Because you can either use it, you can either abuse it and make it like an easy out for a lot of stuff and an easy explanation, or it's just like hampering you because it's like, but he just uses Spider-Sense to get out of this. So how (laughs) could I make this exciting?
0: Yep. Oh, it's so so fun. But they, I mean, they did have a lot of those questions even early on, like, because Mysterio is an early villain. And so they sort of called into question the Spider-Sense and holograms and stuff like that. So it's like they, I think they knew the challenge they had on their hands. So it's, it's cool to see them try yeah. to like figure out how to address that challenge.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
0: Love the fact, love the fact that in his first, and I think, I think this is the only time, but I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I'm sure I'm wrong on that. But in his first appearance, Green Goblin has like a broomstick instead of a glider. <laughs> yeah. I actually like the broomstick. I think it's fun. Like the glider's iconic, but the broomstick is fun. It
1: is well, it, it fits like this. If, like I said, they're introducing him as like this theatrical, like fun kind of ca- like clowny type villain who's just like secretly menacing. Yeah. So the broomstick makes a lot of sense. Like I'm a goblin, I ride a broomstick like a witch does. Yeah. Ha ha ha. You know, it's
0: all sort of Halloweeny, isn't it? Yeah. Like- yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah so you know it totally makes sense i think it is fun because they still make it cool like it's a cool looking broomstick like it is there's no way to not make riding a broomstick kind of dorky looking in the way that he does sure but i think they make it look as cool as possible with it having the little like you know the jet coming out of the back of it and yeah extra like metal pieces and stuff on it
0: i do wonder like maybe they didn't think maybe maybe people didn't like I think it's cool, but I I wonder how much of that is like colored by it being sort of like old school retro throwback type yeah. stuff, because they they change it very quickly. So I do wonder, like, did they get letters that said like he he rides a broomstick, like why? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, doesn't Does last that very seem long. Comfortable? Like <laughs> <laughs> he flies in he flies from Hollywood to New York on that thing. <laughs> 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 oh, man. They do incorporate the bus, uh, the bus bit like that is that's coming from the comic a little bit. The fact that yeah. they're taking a bus from New York to Hollywood or vice versa instead of an actual plane that's a thing that's in both <laughs> the comic and Amazing Friends. Love that for different reasons, yeah. but same sentiment.
1: <laughs> the element is still there because that's yeah. a long bus oh, ride. Oh, my gosh, <laughs> yep,
0: yep, yeah.
1: I uh, I I like the other thing about the Green Goblin's design in this too. Cause, I mean, it's a very classic design instantly, but like the way his eyes are, where he has what they're not supposed to be big eyelashes, but oh. they look like big eyelashes. He's got some like,
0: stunning eyelashes. They're
1: fantastic. <laughs> like Green Goblin is in drag. on point. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's great. It's uh, very glamorous. I dig oh, it. Oh yes.
0: Oh yes his ears are also not that not that his ears are ever small but his ears in in this issue or maybe it's the next i don't know but just early green goblin ears are like the size of his head and it's so funny to me (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah it is funny because that's that is one of those designs that really they it it was tweaked slightly but it hasn't changed very much which is uh which is pretty wild that it was just kind of instantly classic
0: i am i am constantly sort of uh, amazed if you will, um, by how much of this early stuff stuck. Like it really doesn't feel like much was left out from these early things. Like I'm, I'm so impressed with how immediately successful or just how stubborn the writers were. I don't know. Um, in that <laughs> the early villains are the same villains that we know now. Like they're all, they were all sort of instantly iconic, I guess. Like, it's pretty sure. incredible. <laughs> You know, yeah. Yeah. and again, I don't know how much of that is just stubbornness and conviction. But um, the fact that the big players in Spider-Man's rogues gallery, with the exception of, you know, some of the ones that became iconic in the 80s and 90s, like they're they're still there, you know, like yeah. they haven't gone anywhere. Except for yeah, like the circus is, guys.
1: Yeah, it's it is. It is fun when you're revisiting that because I and, and I, I just sort of wonder because, you know, Spider Spider-Man's like my like the one that I that I would be able to make those comparisons for more than most other comic book heroes where, where I don't feel like I have enough like knowledge or context across the board where I'd feel like I could be revisiting classic comics, you know, in the same way. I am curious like how consistent that is with other characters because I feel like so many times, if not the majority of times when you revisit the earliest comics of other characters, even if they're about the same age as Spider-Man, like their early versions are like tweaked in 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 more significant ways than than Spider-Man's like Rogues Gallery and world is.
0: Yeah, I would be I would be really fascinated and I would love if somebody is is familiar with, you know, some of the bigger bigger Marvel or even DC names like what's the rate at which early villains fall out or are drastically changed because like just the the number of hits in these early early years is like astonishing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. 100 percent
0: and they do a good job like making sure you're never really waiting that long for them to appear again so that's probably part of it like this is green mm. goblin's first issue you're not gonna have to wait that long to see him again but they don't promise he'll be back you know like they i guess i mm. guess the story does um but if they don't do like the editor thing of like just you wait doc ock will be yeah. back next issue you know like <laughs> th- you know they literally do that sometimes and they didn't do that with everyone so yeah. Yeah. I, it's it's I, I I'm having a lot of fun revisiting these ones. And this one was a standout just because it was so much like, Oh my god, this story. This story. Like I know this story.
1: <laughs> That's so fun. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's good. I mean, it's good too. This even and this issue like still packs in, you know, some of Peter Parker's like uh, home life mm-hmm. and school life and stuff. And you know, it's it's the typical like Stan Lee not very, being very good at writing women in in the '60s at this point, Yarp. where it's just like just two Liz Allen and Betty Brand are both pining after Peter, oh jealous of each, jealous of each other, and also jealous that he's going to Hollywood and must immediately be hooking up with Hollywood yeah. starlets. Oh, Betty, Betty,
0: <laughs> Betty take a take a breath get some water <laughs> like the moment she finds out Peter's going to hollywood she's like oh no he's gonna fuck all the celebrities <laughs> like betty and he literally says right after like you're the only one i have eyes for and she's like i've heard enough <laughs> yeah. it's fine if you want to sleep with celebrities in hollywood no it's not clearly <laughs> God, the drama so is so thick, it's so much fun,
1: I love it though because it's so you know it's so of its time, and it's like it's the type of thing that like becomes quintessential spider man once it's like refined, you yeah. know like the the girl drama will always be there and is uh, such a big part of spider man It just you know yeah gets better after a while and <laughs> figure out how to write women a little bit better.
0: <laughs> you know what's funny too is like this is unrelated to this specific issue, but i've I've gotten to the point now where Peter's in college. And it's so funny nice. because you're introduced to Gwen Stacy and she's literally just doing the same thing. Like they've introduced yeah. a third girl. Like they they sort of like figured out a way to to sort of reduce um the not reduce the impact of, but like kind of kind of uh move forward Betty and Liz um so that you know you're not seeing the exact same thing with them over and over, but then they introduce Gwen and you're like, "But she's doing the same thing." <laughs> like, Peter's mysterious. He doesn't talk to anybody. Everyone thinks he's a jerk, except the one hottest girl in class. Like it's just like, <laughs> Stan. Stan, try literally anything else. <laughs> so funny. Oh man!
1: They figure it out. It's it is it is. I don't know if Stan ever figures it out, but in general, yeah, Marvel yeah. Marvel in general figures it out eventually.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it you know it's all so fundamental to what sort of shapes spider-man that i would never want that you know don't yeah kick you can't wish it away like yeah yeah of course of course and it is still
1: fun to revisit it's not like it's cringy reading it now it's just like oh y'all were so young yeah yeah no it's (laughs) not it's not cringy so much as
0: it's just like so (laughs) melodramatic which is in part you know due to just when it was written but certainly in part to who was writing it as well
1: yeah, And yeah. they weren't even shy
0: about that. They loved the fact that they were writing a soap opera superhero. hmm They loved it. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, there's some good... There's there are some funny lines in this, too. Like, Stan was a really good, really, really, yeah. really witty writer. I really love Liz's line, which... Feels like a really modern line to be honest, but Liz is like talking to Flash, and he's saying some, you know, some stupid bullshit, oh, than yep. usual. Um, and Liz is like, "How much rent do you pay in that dream world you live yes. in?" Yes,
0: I was like, so "Oh my good. god!" She's talking it's, about living rent-free. <laughs>
1: it's so good. That's like a that's like right out of twenty twenty-one. Seriously, like, hell yeah!
0: Incredible. That yeah, that stood out to me too. Incredible line.
1: Yeah. So good.
0: She also goes on like a mini sort of rant towards Flash about how like it's not the meatheads who run the world; it's the eggheads. And I was like, "This is funny." Like, I'm really. And then there's like two people who are presumably Flash's friends who like their like their worldview is shooketh by Liz Allen saying this because they're like, "Oh my God, she's right."
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's great. Flash, who, by the way. Where's a sweater with a giant F stitched into it?
0: was <laughs> so was was that a thing? <laughs> that a thing you would do as a senior in high school? Be like, "My name is Doug, so I'm going to get a sweater with a big D on it." <laughs>
1: It's like one of those things where, like, you'd see it in comics and cartoons, like, like Archie comics would have like characters with big letters on them, you know. Like, I guess, but is I guess it just was, like, because everybody looks the but... same, or what? That <laughs> that might be the case, you know. I don't, I don't think people ever actually dressed like
0: that in, when they were eighteen. <sighs> I'm gonna ask but... someone. I'm gonna ask uh, my parents. They would, they might know. <laughs> they're a little, they're a little too young, uh, based on when this came out. I think, I think, you know, they're about the same age as these comics, but. Uh, Maybe they'll have some insight. I'll ask my grandma. That's who I'll ask. (laughs) That's fun. (laughs) Tell me about sweaters with letters on them. No, no, no. Just one letter. (laughs) Not a letterman's jacket. No, no, no. No, no. oh, I also
1: appreciated Spidey breaking out of Montana's ropes with my power of chest expansion.
0: Yeah, what? (laughs) You know? Why can't you just say you're strong? (laughs) Why present it as a unique power to you? (laughs) (laughs) I do love that the more we sort of dive backwards, the more we realize that our initial being like, oh, I guess he has super breathing abilities is like actually true. Like they- they, They genuinely just say, like, oh, yeah, Spider-Man can hold his breath forever. <laughs> not forever, but, like, a damn long time. And also, yeah. you know, like, uh, I think, you know, we recently talked about Symbiote Spider-Man as well. And they addressed uh, the fact that Spider-Man is sort of, like, immune to, you know, poisons and gases to a degree, which we've also talked about when we talk about the cartoons. sometimes. We're like, how is Peter just not affected? Oh, okay. I guess they actually do address that, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
1: yeah, it's uh it's fun. It's a fun book. I also like Spidey calling Hulk turnip brains. It's a good good quip. I don't really get it, but it's a good quip, I guess. Yeah, I don't
0: know. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hulk, who is also, we didn't really talk much about Hulk himself in this. He's basically just like a force of nature in this book. Like he shows up and everybody's like, let's get out of this dude's way. Mm -hmm. And then he kind of accidentally sort of saves the day a little bit. And then, and then goes back into hiding. Like it's a, it's an interesting use of him that I think fits into like what they were doing with Hulk at the time in the early days. Yeah, I think it, Um, it works. Yeah, it's just it's just fun. It's just like, Oh yeah, Hulk's here. Oh, okay. Well, now it's over. Yeah,
0: I am curious about <laughs> what what Hulk was like around this time because the Hulk seems to be aware of the fact that he is like while in Hulk form, that he is supposed to be or is a genius. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I just don't know enough about the Hulk. He's
1: actually. very loquacious in in this, in a way that I I knew that he was at different periods, yeah. like where he talked a lot. I didn't realize that he was like this early in the comics. Um, I didn't so either. But I guess if
0: I think about it, he's carrying his own title, so I and he's he's trying to be alone a lot. So maybe that's part of it.
1: Or well, that it's makes
0: like, sense. He's got to say something. We got to fill half this panel with words because that's what we do. Good point. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> they could have been pioneers and included only seven words per page. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, I I think it's fun. It's it's fun to dive back into these, especially when it's one that you're sort of like seeing carried out over decades of storytelling. So this was like a particularly fun. We'll have to we'll have to dip into other like single issues, especially from the early ones, because like you said, they are self-contained stories like you don't need to read an entire arc to get the story uh, as opposed to what you're probably used to reading now, uh, if not ubiquitously reading now.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. I think it's really fun. I, I definitely do more of that too, because there's a lot, you know, that I probably haven't read in years and years and years, or maybe never even like got to from <laughs> the early days. So I, I would, I'd be down for that. I think, and, and there's so much to mine from them. Yeah, and you get stuff like this where it's a story where it's like, okay, you know, you had a little, a little germ or gem of a little story that has just been sort that's just sort of evolved and changed and grown in different ways as it's been adapted. Yeah. In other versions, you know, like the the idea of like Spidey goes to Hollywood is such an easy, ingenious, <laughs> clever idea, and it's fun to see the original iteration of that, yeah, you know.
0: Totally. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, amazing friends, to another Spider Bite episode, and we are once again talking about some comic books, and we are once again visiting the sort of early years of the Amazing Spider-Man. Once again, <laughs> yeah, I
1: want to do lots of this. This is this has been fun already.
0: Yeah, I've been enjoying dipping back into it. Uh, I've mentioned it before. It's like fun to see the stories that uh, that that are sort of like classics, but I never realized just how old they are like how how far back they go so it's been really fun to to dip into that and to dip into some stuff that didn't become so classic or that changed dramatically so <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 uh, so th- this what we're reading today we're reading for a couple of reasons one because we've enjoying we've been enjoying going back and reading some of this older stuff now that we've got a few cartoons under our belt and a few iterations of certain stories under our belt but also in the month of May we are starting our movie commentaries over at the Spectacular tier. Um, And we are starting, obviously, with the very first Spider-Man movie. If you're one of our Spectacular patrons, you will have already seen that pop up and maybe have even listened to it by now. I don't know. Um, But uh, we figured it might be fun to revisit certain comic book arcs or issues that sort of coincide with or thematically match up with those. Just... You know, <laughs> to get yeah. a fuller picture.
1: <laughs> yeah, because they're full of full of. I mean, obvious. Every Spider-Man thing is full of references, but the movies, especially, especially, yeah. especially the original trilogy movies, are pulled a lot from classic comics. So there's definitely a lot of material to mine uh like here yeah <laughs>
0: yeah so what we're reading today we're reading where we read <laughs> what we're talking about today are three issues uh we are reading the amazing spider-man issue 37 and 39 and 40 and the reason we are reading those or talking about those is because issue 37 is the first appearance of norman osborne just civilian mode and then 39 and 40 are the big reveals about the green goblin who's been appearing in the comic uh for i think a couple years at this point
1: (laughs) yeah funnily enough we like just did a spider bite on his green goblins first appearance yeah and i weren't in like i don't think think we're thinking about like you know the through line of doing the norman osborne stuff afterwards I only read that one because of the spidey goes hollywood connection so just nice (laughs) nice accidental synergy there but but it works out yeah
0: yeah i love it i I, so so that's what we've read if you wanted to read along with us um or if you wanted to hop back and read it i would recommend it i think these are fun fun reads as the first appearances of norman osborne and the first sort of like or I guess the conclusion, the way that this, is, these, these two issues, 39 and 40, are marketed as, as the conclusion of the Green Goblin story. Obviously, we know that's not the case, but yeah. at the time, they didn't know that. So it's really cool to go back and read that and see how things play out. My very, very first thought is just like, I was shocked at how quickly things conclude once Norman's on the scene. Yeah. And granted, it's over the course of three months from the moment you get Norman to the moment Green Goblin is unmasked um, and you've had you know a couple years of the Green Goblin just popping in every once in a while Mm -hmm. Uh, but I really thought Norman was going to be around a lot longer before this was revealed (laughs) and I think that's just the legacy right yeah (laughs) like there's one issue in between but (laughs) that's about it. One of
1: the ways that I do think that the story has been improved upon, like it lays a really good foundation for the Osborne stuff, but it's definitely been improved upon over time across various adaptations, in that, like, there's a really clear, like, emotional connection that could be made that the comics don't because of the timing of everything. Yeah, Like Harry and Peter are are not friends at this point. And this comic, I think, I think like they do a good job of sort of quickly forming a connection between Harry and Peter, but it's like the beginnings of a friendship. And it's such a tenuous quick connection where it's like, Oh, Oh, they both sort of see that the other person has a soul Yeah, and like, but but that's it like that's all there is so the idea of of finding out that the supervillain is is harry's dad isn't really like it's like oh it's shocking because i know his son not his son is my best friend you know right. and i think it's such an it's such like an kind of easy almost obvious thing to 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 change that to like a best friend thing or to elevate that to a best friend thing later on because then you have even more pathos and even more of this like sort of tr- greek tragedy kind of kind of thing going for it um you know they just I I don't think it was that planned ahead, you know, these are sort of early ideas and everything. And a lot of this a lot of it still works, but it definitely feels like more of a foundation for doing it better in the future.
0: It still works, um, but but definitely that storytelling is like changing. It's interesting. I never realized that the sort of transformation of the storytelling for this book just coincided with the the outgoing Ditko onboarding of romita senior yeah. um, i i don't I, you know i don't know comics history so i don't know where this fits in the grander scheme of comics but this really is around where i've been noticing more like seeding and overlapping stories and ba- like background stories like in a couple of issues they introduce rhino sort of as like uh part of a story like brings Mm -hmm. up or compliments a story and then they don't really conclude anything with him and then he's in the background of the next issue and then his story his actual story is told in the third issue of him having appeared so it's like it's interesting because that's not how the stories were being told for the first few years it was like if they were going to do a 2 party, you kind of knew it immediately you know because it was like a big deal that they were telling more than like a, a story over more than one issue so for for them to do this thing where they you know introduce this character and then they kind of put it on the shelf for a hot second to create a little bit of suspense or a little bit of waiting after having you know shown the green goblin a bunch of times this was this was honestly probably like a huge huge deal for them which makes perfect sense um it's just like funny to look at it in the greater context of things uh because it's all it's all happening very quickly um and it's still sort of you know the the green goblin part of this three three issue story really starts uh at the beginning of 39 and ends at 40 like it's not you know it's there's no hint of him really in in 37 (laughs)
1: Yeah, well, it, it it is you know, and it is interesting because you mentioned like the Ditko Romita thing, and it, it I I'd kind of forgotten that this is where the the Ditko to Romita transition happens. Like it's over these issues, mm-hmm. and it is funny because like it's it is it does feel like an interesting marked difference between thirty five and then thirty nine. I think like it's it's sort of subtle, but I guess because of like it's funny because knowing where Romita's art goes later on, and he's sort of definitely like. F- Finds his own sort of style and everything. Like at this point, it does feel like he's trying to still match a little bit of the Ditko style, even with his own style, you know? Yeah. But like there's definitely a different vibe to Romita's art and then the way that it's written as a result of that. Cause like everyone's smiling a little bit more in Romita's <laughs> art. People are less, people are a little more toned down because no one's just like yeah. has scowls on their faces all the time. Everyone's which a little is so
0: softer, like, a little rounder, a little more youthful.
1: yeah and I think with that like it's funny because I feel it's this is gonna almost sound like it's a it's a criticism of Ditko and it's not it's just a difference in their style but like Romita's stuff just feels a slightly more modern you know yeah like it where it's like oh these are supposed to be a little bit like sort of yeah like softer characters and like you know, nicer love stories, and then more sprawling narratives alongside that. Like it feels like there is a marked shift to the more modern era of comics that we get, where we start getting these classic stories in the '70s that, you know, trying to fit a little closer to where comics are today than where they were in the '60s.
0: I mean, even the even the covers of the books. Like if you if you if you pull up all the covers on something like Marvel Unlimited, or just like look at a gallery. Like, just immediately, you notice pretty quickly, like, oh, something changed, even if you didn't look at the credits, because yeah. even just the way the the issues look feels more familiar to what we would pick up now, because there's, like, yeah. a piece of art on the cover, as opposed to, like, an introduction to the story on the cover, you know? Um, yep. So, it's, it's, yeah, definitely interesting. I did not even realize that this is – like, I don't know that I ever knew that this is where – um that change happened i was really surprised when i was reading it because i was like oh wow especially because i have a i have an idea for issue 38 which we're not going to talk about today um but when we do talk about issue 38 i was shocked that that was ditko's last (laughs) issue on this (laughs) on this comic which is part of the reason i want to talk about it on its own episode um, because it's so bizarre but um you know the other side of that is then the next the next story they tell is the the big green goblin one so like Hot damn, Romita Sr., like, what a what a way to kick things off and make an impression, you know? And you can tell yeah. that that he had the opportunity to flex a little bit because there are a lot of larger panels, a lot of really cool action uh, sequences and stuff like that. You you can tell that, uh, you know, he wanted to come in with a bang. Yeah, <laughs> and he definitely I mean, he did. did. He definitely there, did. I mean,
1: it's wild how much stuff comes from these two issues that are, like, have been mimicked and imitated. Mm-hmm. You know, like that that are just like the uh, the obvious one is is Peter in his civilian clothes like but like that are that are ripped enough to expose the Spider-Man costume while he's in a rope being flown, you know, being uh, dragged by a goblin's glider in the air. Like it's such a it's such an iconic image. It's been done in the cartoons a couple of times in varying varying degrees. I'm. I'm kind of actually surprised that it wasn't done in live action. Like, I'm actually really surprised that the that the uh, Raimi Spider Man movie didn't do that. Yeah. Um, like, I feel like there would have been room for it at some point. Maybe I guess like the way that story was structured, there wasn't really room for that that particular scene. But I'm surprised they didn't like really try to do it because that would look hella good. Yeah, just in live as action. a
0: visual, like as a visual reference, like it would look so cool.
1: Yeah, so I'm kind of surprised. But and but it is one of those things where if uh, if a future Spider-Man live-action movie goes back to the Green Goblin well in some capacity, mm-hmm. like in the way that Homecoming redid the uh, the uh, the the water lifting thing, what, if they see my Destiny sequence, mm-hmm. like I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if they're like, okay, let's go back to that well and do the Goblin glider thing, but.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I hope. Anyway, I hope so. it's just a great visual. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing about the the, especially the issues thirty nine and forty, like because it's such a huge moment in the in the life of the comics, um, and because you know this dude is flexing a little bit. Uh, you get, like, these incredible action sequences that feel like just <laughs> such a massive leap, which, again, sounds like a dig at Ditko, but it's just different styles of storytelling, you know? Yeah. Um, so you do yeah. have that that moment where he's being flown through the sky with his clothes torn up. You do get that fight on the lawn of the Parker residence, which I was, like – I was reading it, and I was, like, this is, like, legitimately tense. Like, I am tense yeah. reading this um, because, you know, in these – yeah, not even just in these early years, but you know that like anytime they're going to do an, an old, old version of Aunt May, like all they ever talk about is like, this could kill her. <laughs> if she mm-hmm. sees this, she'll die. Um, and so, you know, you know, the stakes and then just the way that it's all drawn and plotted out and everything is incredible. Uh, like yeah. I just was like massively impressed and i i shouldn't i'm i'm not surprised that i'm massively impressed but i'm still massively impressed <laughs>
1: yeah well it's 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 still pretty amazing when you sort of see like i feel like you can wa- you can go into how old are these comics like 40 50 year old comics at this point um yeah yeah, you know, like that—that that feels weird. I wanted to say like twenty or thirty years old. Like, no, nope, they're like sixty older. years old. That's oh my god! Ugh, I
0: hate that. Um, Just imagine being a Batman fan. They're like coming on—they're coming up on a hundred years. Woof.
1: <laughs> um, no, I guess you you have certain expectations when you read comics that you know are older, and it's sort of like, oh, yeah, these are the early days. Yeah. These are going to be different, type, th- different types of storytelling because storytelling was different at the time, and the way that modern storytelling is, it's not that it's better. It's just that it's different because things evolve and people's sensibilities evolve, and so when you come into something and read something that like, oh – this just reads like a modern comic. Mm -hmm. Like this is, this. I'm reading this and it feels as tense as as if I was reading a comic now, maybe even more so because they're packing so much into it, you know?
0: Um, And the fact that like, especially in the moment where between issues 39 and 40, it ends, like where it ends feels significant to this point. The fact that not only is this a two-part story, but that it is directly a cliffhanger moment at the end Mm -hmm. of an issue feels so ubiquitous and standard in comics now. Um, But I honestly, you know, there were, there were issues of Doc Ock appearing over the course of two or three issues, but I really don't feel like any of them ended quite like this, where it was like, where, where I can just imagine readers being like, wait a second, hold on. You're going to just end it with them learning who each other are. And that's that, like, I got to wait a month for this, (laughs) you know, like they hadn't really done that. At least in this title. Again, I don't have historical context, but this title wasn't doing that yet. Yeah, that's what I
1: was just gonna ask. Like you've been you've been reading all of these, so it's all fresh yeah. in your memory. Have they, A, had like a significant supervillain find out Spider-Man's identity yet? And B, have they had supervillains that have like personal connections to Peter in this way?
0: No. Um the only like the closest connections you really get are the fact that Scorpion is created by J. J- Jonah Jameson, which is set up very quickly. Sure. Um, you have the you have the – the um, gosh, it's not even called a Spider-Slayer yet, but Smythe does appear and create essentially a proto-Spider-Slayer early on mm-hmm. that tracks Peter Parker because he's Spider-Man, but it's always close calls. He's been unmasked, but never – in front of anybody who would recognize him or really right. in front of anybody like th- they'll they'll tease it you know like oh no this is the issue where he's unmasked um but it's never it's never what they say it's going to be you know it's like yeah. he's unmasked but he runs away or he's unmasked and whatever like gotcha or or you know somebody else takes the fall i th- i do think that doc Ock had unmasked him by this point but in this at this point in the comics those two characters have not been linked like they do not have yeah. a personal connection and so i think they're able to basically be like oh yeah no that that peter parker was just being an idiot you know like yeah. i think that's yeah. where may takes his suit away at some point like cuz he's like <laughs> oh it's a costume and she's like you foolish idiot and takes it away so he like doesn't have a suit for a couple issues and oh, it's that's because so funny. yeah it's because he was unmasked and had to pretend like oh no i just was being dumb you know This is the first time where it's been done. It's like a big deal
1: because it's like, oh, no, this bad guy unequivocally knows who I am, which I will say I was still surprised that Norman Osborn had not met Peter Parker before, like when this actually happens. Like he has to figure out he sees that he's a kid. He sees his face, but he still has to like follow him home to actually determine who he is, which is like that's another thing that I think is improved upon later because you realize how, how how much more compelling it is if there is a relationship between Norman Osborn and Peter Parker. Pre him figuring out he's Spider-Man. Okay,
0: yes, that that is very true, and I wouldn't disagree with that at all. But I will say, in this specific instance, it really works for the individual story they're telling because then you sure. have Goblin following him home. That's true, um, which you That's couldn't true. do anymore. You know, like once he sees Peter, he knows. But these That's two, a good point. So it's it's very unique to this specific first time iteration of this story. <laughs> And I do think overall, mm-hmm. you're, you're right. Like, the emotional impact is much better if they know each other. But it's cool to see this very unique element work simply because they hadn't elevated that part yet. So it, like, allows this other thing to shine, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I love that you
1: said that because now that I'm thinking about it, like, I, I prefer – out of all that we read, 39 was my favorite one. Um, and I think, you know, 40 is still good, but it's just mostly, like, there's a lot of fight. Scenes and it you does know, a decent amount of
0: telling as well because it has to like yeah. catch people. You you could read these three issues and be caught up. Like you don't need yeah. to read the the Green Goblin stuff yeah. before this because they basically recap it, but they yeah. spend time doing that. Unfortunately,
1: <laughs> right. So I think it like kind of kind of slows it down a lot. But for thirty nine, I think the thing that I really liked about it is that there is like a really particular very creepy scary tension that comes from the goblin just quietly stalking peter for a long time and just learning everything about him he watches him change his clothes in the alley he watches him go to the daily bugle and do his job Mm -hmm. he watches him go home and peter is none the wiser because of this gas that like you know eliminated his spider sense temporarily so it's like it's it's really creepy and that is something that i don't think the and like the 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 '90s series like played with it a little bit because they instead of having a gas they use like a uh, like an interdimensional thing that the de- that the goblin can go through that tricks him. Of course, but it's still not the same <laughs> as. Of course they did, but it's still not the same as like silently following yeah. him and just literally stalking him in the air with Peter none the wiser. Like there is something really particularly tense about it that I was I was surprised at how invested I was in that you know yeah um because like I knew what was gonna happen like having like knowing where this type of story goes but. I was, it was just still like, when's going to be the moment when he finally reveals himself? Mm-hmm. Like how long is this going to go for with Peter yeah. being completely unaware? Like it's creepy.
0: Yeah. It's, it's genuinely creepy. I, I I like that you, you point out 39 being your favorite of these three issues. Um, because I think it's probably, I mean, it's, it's probably the best uh, or at least arguably the best issue they've put out to this point. Cause obviously nice. you do have the, if this be my destiny stuff, which is incredible um and and has really incredible stakes in that one too um but this one is just uh, like there's just something about it so for me at least this is definitely the best issue of the comic uh to this point with you know a very close second uh being the, the if this be my destiny stuff <laughs> but you know yeah. also very fast approaching uh spider-man no more so <laughs> they're they're really sure. they're really uh getting into the into the good stuff um very very quickly now that they've got lots of pieces on the board
1: (laughs) yeah yeah it's really yeah it's really good it's it's pretty it's pretty incredible the type of stuff they do with this um i really i really enjoyed reading these though like these comics are good (laughs) they really are
0: (laughs) they really are and i know that's like it's 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 uh I, i don't know how to pretend it doesn't sound a little bit like uh condescending i guess um but like I, sometimes I just read these stories and I'm like, damn, y'all really did it. Like, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I I don't know what I'm expecting or why I'm expecting not to enjoy them as much as I do, but then I always do. And I'm like, that's right. Like, these are the guys, like, these are the people who like set everything up and laid the foundation. Like, there's no reason for me to, to be as wowed as I am, but I guess that's just a testament to how good it is that I still end up being wowed. You know,
1: it's, it's that weird thing where, cause it's like this, 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 this unfathomable level of hype where it's like been revered for such a long time and in our lives revered for such a long time and it has been adapted in so many ways. And like we said, even elevated in certain ways where mm-hmm. we know that things were sort of improved upon and modernized and made better in our eyes so it's so i think it is really easy for your expectations to become like there's no way this lives up to the hype and there's no way that it will i will find the same amount of enjoyment having seen the quote-unquote better versions of it in the future you know yeah but it's just like it's just like watching an old movie it's just like going back and watching citizen kane and just being like there's no way Citizen Kane is good, and it's like, oh no, actually this is, this is a good movie. Yeah. There's no way Casablanca is as good as they say it is. Oh no, it's a really good movie. Right? Like, yeah, it's it, it is.
0: Yeah, you totally. Can't, you
1: can't say it isn't.
0: <laughs> yeah, and there's just so many pieces of it that are that contribute to that. I mean, like Goblin is is a really really good unique villain in this uh, in yeah. this story to this point. You know, like the only person, the only villain they've really presented, I feel like in In a sort of masterful way is Doc Ock because he's the master planner, you know, that's like they dip their toe into that um, a little bit. But the fact that even in these issues, Goblin is still doing this sort of like three steps ahead thing that none of the other villains are really doing outside of the one instance of Doc Ock trying to pull it off. And I sure. think Goblin does it better, you know, to, at Dude. this point. Like, it's incredible. Yeah. The fact that he, like, sets up fights, the fact that he has multiple times by this point uh, over the course of a couple years attempted to overthrow um, the sort of, like, underground crime structure. Um, it, it's 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 honestly really incredible. <laughs> like It's, re- it's yeah. really different than the other stuff they're doing, especially at this point in the comic where they're finally like, I'm finally getting to the point where I'm like, Oh, I'm not going to see this villain again. Am I like, th- like yeah. they're finally sort of getting to villains that I'm like, I don't know who this is because you finally didn't hit one out of the park, you know? So right. for this to be happening right now, after I got like, trying to even think of the looter. You know what I mean? Like Oh, cool. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. You know, like it's just it's uh it's incredible. Like the goblin like I I get it. Like uh you know and and I I don't actually know how long it takes for him to come back, but I can only imagine how hype people were when they were like, oh shit, that's not over. (laughs) Like thank God. He's the
1: guy that knows Peter Parker's identity, you know? Mm -hmm. Like he's the one that, that is that is the father of one of Peter Parker's classmates. Like that's right. there's yeah, like the 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 tension for when he inevitably comes back is yep. is is outstanding, oh. you know, especially <laughs> compared to what they've set up. The other thing I what I really liked about it, it's such it's such like a minor thing. But one of my favorite things about it is sort of like the subversion of the the villain monologue thing, because a big a big portion of this arc is like Peter being literally tied to a chair and trying to untie himself. And his whole plan is like gotta keep goblin talking, gotta keep him talking the longer he talks the more I'll have an opportunity to like you know release myself from my binds yeah um so he thinks that he's kind of got it under control by letting this by letting this madman monologue and then literally literally right he's he, as he's like oh I've got one arm free I'm just about to be free goblin's like yeah, I don't want to fight you while you're tied up, so I'm going to release you anyway. And then it's like yep. all of Peter's work down the drain. He was going to be released no matter what. Everything he did was pointless. Like, it's so smart and it's so clever, and but also like understated at the same time. Like, I love it. It's so good. It's the
0: perfect detail because Goblin has been so calculated, but he's a guy in a fucking green and purple suit with massive ears who is like, Halloween themed. You know what I mean? Like there's obviously <laughs> yeah. something not quite right there and so to have that moment where it's like, "Oh no, I was pretty much just fucking with you. I was always going to let you go." It like it reminds you that like, "Oh, okay, that's right. That's right. This is like this is kind of a madman. You know, this isn't just some calculated guy in a costume because if he were, why would he even wear the costume, you know? That's um sweet. so yeah, it it's such a good detail. Uh and I I I love the fact that even before that point, you have Peter Parker actively trying to goad green goblin into monologuing you know it's not it's yeah. not exactly the same as the stereotypical villain who just volunteers too much without anybody prompting them um so even before that sort of like table turn or that like twist or whatever um mm-hmm. it's still like sort of different which i like
1: yeah also in in that sequence uh when when they are sort of recapping all of his fights with the green goblin Green Goblin basically has like the Amazing Friends Future Finder, <laughs> that thing? I except do. it's like very explicitly like, oh, I can project mental images. Which I'm like, you yeah. could have just let him be flashbacks. You didn't need that. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's just funny because it's like Amazing Friends. It's like, why does he have this like? weird technology that lets him see the future kind of and project it. And it's like, Oh, I guess it kind of came from here. And then amazing friends just made it even weirder yeah. than it was before. <laughs> that sounds about right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it is cool to see that like most of his arsenal is like firmly established from the beginning, you know, mm-hmm. like what he uses in these, in these issues is pretty much what he still uses in like a, a generally faithful, um, you know version or or not even faithful because that implies obviously that you would do that but just like it's still part of a standard goblin uh depiction is a lot of the same stuff that he's using here
1: yeah and his uh, i didn't you know i didn't realize i always just assumed that like one issue he just shows up with the glider like after he's been gone for a while but like they established that he's actually giving improvements uh and upgrades to his Broomstick that makes it more glider like mm-hmm. so it 's closer to a glider, but still different and smaller than what we that what we come to see later and then I assume when he comes back you know whenever whenever the goblin res- resurfaces it'll be an, an, an even more upgraded glider that 's just closer to his more modern one but i didn 't realize there was a sort of transition transition broomstick glider thing in this issue
0: yeah i mean like he does he does like appear just like with a new version but it is sort of gradual if you're paying attention and 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 he one thing that's cool about goblin as he keeps appearing uh to this point is that he keeps sort of alluding to the fact that like i have to be patient i have to wait i have to like be better i have to be stronger like i can't let the same thing happen again and that that's cool to see. And then you see it right here again, where he says like, I've made more upgrades and I've waited long enough. Like now's the time. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's cool. And I, and I, I really would love to know, you know, what somebody who was reading it at the time, like, like I just, I'm sure I can find it if I read through the letters and, you know, found, you know, I'm sure people wrote about it and stuff, but I, I just wish I could like eavesdrop on conversations people had about this character, you know, at the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I just want to know what they thought. Obviously, it was a hit. Like, the amount of investment they're putting in to this character—I don't think they would if they didn't feel confident that this was, you know, uh, a big deal. And it is, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I just wish I could hear the actual sort of like reader conversations. Like, yeah. I would have loved to hear kids talking about it. I'd love to hear like adult comic readers at that point who'd been reading Batman for. 20 years (laughs) you know like uh longer than that actually like i would just love to hear those conversations so much
1: yeah and it all i mean it makes sense like i think it's even highlighted even more even further here like how how goblin is such a good sort of like uh like inversion on spider-man or contrast to spider-man like he's another you know masked uh, like masked dude in like a weird outfit but like he's He's, uh, you know, he's a lot more scheming and calculated. And also his secret identity is like a rich guy who Peter, I think, even in these issues is sort of like, you're already rich. Like, why do you yeah. need to be in crime right now? <laughs> like, you've literally got everything you want. What mm-hmm. do you want, dude? Um, You know, and just like, well, because I'm crazy at evil. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just he's, he is such a nice, comp- perfect compliment to To both Peter Parker and Spider Man, I think in in a number of ways, which is like you know, if you know Spider Man lore, obviously. But I think it's very clear in these issues, sort of why why oh, yeah. he exists in this world and the way that he does. Yeah,
0: yeah, he's he's definitely one of the villains. I mean, like all of these early villains, you get to sort of like, oh man, Spider Man bested me, so I gotta get him back. But you can feel how obsessed Goblin is, and affected Goblin is. Uh, and how in denial Goblin is about their previous yeah. interactions, whereas other villains are just like, "Ah, oh, he got me, so I got to get him back. You know, like, yeah. Goblin can't even say he got me.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like, it was an accident. Well, you had help. Well, that doesn't count. <laughs> that, that wasn't real. Like, it's, yeah, it's so funny the way he rationalizes everything. Yeah, it's great.
0: It's the perfect <laughs> formula. Like, it, I just, I get it. I really do get it. And I'm so glad that I I read these uh, because it's such a good Such a good primer, honestly, like, which is weird to say because I obviously am more familiar with where everything ends up and what ends up being the sort of more common canon uh, of things or or the understood canon of things because this is obviously part of the canon of things. But, like, sure. um, it's just – I don't know. It's, like, it's just, like, a cool thing to go back and read and just sort of, like, have a stronger foundation – Uh, of things that lead to where it goes and, and, and sort of see like exactly like, ah, this is why it, it, this is why it works so well. Not because, not just because they elevated it, but because it was good to begin with. Like they had the right pieces They really did. Yeah. Literally the only (laughs) thing I
1: didn't like about these issues, like straight up did not like unequivocally, but no surprise. It's just like every single woman in in these issues was just a nightmare to read about. we don't have to go down that rabbit hole. Really. We all know like the, the, you know, how, how things kind of were. And we've sort of talked about it before. Yeah. I think every single female character is written horrifically in these issues. Yeah. (laughs) I don't remember
0: when we mentioned it, but Stan's still not, gotten it (laughs) at this point (laughs) all of his women are the same character although it is notable that like because you know these issues stand so well on their own that there are bigger storylines happening while this is happening one of them being that betty brant is missing you know like she has left and no one knows where she is which is Mm -hmm. you know kind of an interesting thing to to bump into if you did decide to go back and read these out of context (laughs) you know you're like oh (laughs) that's okay where yeah. is Betty then?
1: <laughs> like, at least she has her own story. Her story is still like, I m- yeah. men, oh, well <laughs> deciding yeah. on my relationships with the men scares me. but she's got her own story, so that's something. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah, no just <laughs> honestly better,
1: be- better than Gwen, who's just like, I hate Peter Parker. Yo. but he's enigmatic, and therefore I think I like him, but I hate him, but I like him. this like- <laughs> is
0: honestly, this this moment, like those those interactions and in these issues is is probably the worst. Like, of, of the early Gwen Peter stuff because they're nasty like they're nasty to each other in these they two really episodes are. and they really aren't that nasty to each other right before this or even right after this like it's so funny um, but for whatever reason in these moments and you know tense things are happening and when a lot's going on in Peter's life he lashes out especially in these early ones but god yeah. they are they are mean to each other <laughs> they I, are that, really I mean I wonder if
1: that's if, if some of that has to do with the Ditko Romita transition because like the the end of Ditko's run like everybody's so nasty to each other and then Romita suddenly Gwen's like but maybe maybe Peter's actually a sweetie and it's like like, you just tried to (laughs) slap him like literally last issue yeah (laughs) and then he like insult insulted you from there so I don't know
0: yep it's uh (laughs) it's an interesting it's cool because you know coinciding with the Ditko to Romita transition there's a lot of cool stuff changing in the stories. Um, so it's like, it just feels like all in the spirit of each other, even though part of it is probably largely just t- like coincidental timing, right? Like, I'm sure a lot of this was planned out ahead of time. It wasn't like, all right, we're switching people. So now let's change everything. Like this stuff was brewing. Sure. So it's kind of cool to get everything all at once. <laughs> yeah, <it really laughs> And is. obviously a lot of the pieces have not fallen into place yet. Betty is missing. Uh... Gwen hates Peter Parker. <laughs> harry and peter have only spoken to each other one-on-one for the first time uh so yeah it's 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 interesting it really mary is. jane is still probably ugly <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know if she comes up in these but that's firmly she does this era she does, she,
1: she does she's she's yeah she's she's like sort of casually referenced a little bit so that's still happening <laughs>
0: Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But very, very fun stuff. Very cool stuff. Yeah. Definitely would recommend, at the very, very least, uh, if you listen to us talk about it and didn't read these, at the very least, read 39 and 40, because they are just genuinely really fun. Uh they are. Really, really fun. 37 is just cool, because Norman shows up.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a hilarious-looking robot.
0: <laughs> oh, my so. gosh. We, yeah, we didn't really talk about 37 all that much because it's, like, it's mostly exposition. Yeah. But yeah, how sure. funny is it that like the more advanced robot isn't the one that looks like a totally organic being? <laughs> it's so like, weird. The one that just straight <laughs> up like looks an like an octopus. Yeah, that, should be, that, that would be a massive accomplishment in 2021. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so funny. Wild. Wild, but good stuff. Comics,
1: man. Comics are fun. Comics are good.
0: (laughs) Comics are cool and good. (laughs) Yep, really are. Welcome back, amazing friends, to another Spider Bite episode, and we are talking comics. We're talking comics Mm -hmm. from the 60s again. Um, What we are chatting about, what we read, were issues 50, 51, and 52 from the original uh, Amazing Spider-Man comic uh, from like 1967, 8? I don't even remember when it was happening.
1: I think it was 67 is when these are from.
0: Sounds right. Um, And these are the Spider-Man No More issues though we'll get into it, It it's a lot less to do with Spider-Man No More Uh uh, and a lot more to do with other things. But uh, Uh the reason we thought it would be fun to do this is because we are also uh, watching Spider-Man 2, which has its own sort of Spider-Man No More uh, story going on. And uh, if you're interested in that, we are watching that as a commentary over on the Spectacular tier. So um, if you are already a Spectacular Patron, you can check that out. If not, that is available at the Spectacular tier.
1: Yes, it is. Yeah.
0: Comics, 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 comics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I will say, <laughs> I was very much expecting when uh, I saw that this these three issues together were sort of considered the Spider-Man No More arc that all three issues would be dealing with Peter Parker (laughs) wrestling with being Um, Spider-Man. And that's not really the case. The first of those issues, issue 50 uh, is very much entirely about that. Um, But this also is the arc that introduces Kingpin to the universe. Kind of a big Mm -hmm. deal. Uh, Mm -hmm. And also (laughs) spoiler alert, kills Frederick Foswell.
1: (laughs) yeah i mean he comes back right isn't he doesn't he become hobgoblin later or he's one of the hobgoblins i mean or there's no
0: way that he's permanently <laughs> no. dead like that's yeah. that's impossible um but i i don't yeah. know that that was planned in this moment you know like yeah sure uh so so pretty big deal as far as stuff that's going on um and honestly dare i say bigger deal than spider-man quitting being spider-man considering how quick it was (laughs) yeah i like issue 50
1: i don't the rest of it it's just like okay like it's fine i actually i like 52 reasonably well, too. 51, I, I was just kind of bored reading it, to be honest. And I think, I think it's like it, it, during the when, – when you're reading it sequentially or, you know, when you were reading it like at the time, you know, introducing Kingpin is a big deal. It's the first time, I guess, there's like a crime lord like he is and there's this fun mis- – there's the mystery about him where it's just like – is he just like a fat guy? No, he's a strong guy. Like you know, it's it, which is problematic in its own right, obviously. But that's the that's what comes with Kingpin, right? Um, so I think that there's like some surprise and mystery there, and I think that makes it more would make it more compelling. But if you're just sort of reading it out of context, expecting a Spider-Man no more story, it's just sort of like okay, I know who Kingpin is. I've seen his deal. There's nothing new about him other than the fact that he has like an a an a, a, a obliteration ray in his cane. Like that's the only thing that's not really quintessential kingpin that he has here. Other than that there isn't really it's all just like a basic mob boss gang war type stuff. So I was just like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> but it's there's still interesting things throughout it though.
0: See, I think I think my initial reaction reading them was that I liked issue 50 and didn't like 51 and 52, but I think that's entirely because I was I was coming in for the Spider-Man No More stuff. And then the yeah, more sure. I thought about it, the more I was like, I think I actually just like fifty one and fifty two more. <laughs> like I think there's more interesting stuff going on there. But I don't know. It's like hard because of the context that I was coming in with. So I don't I don't know. It's it's like weird because I do feel like it's it's it almost is weird to read them all together, but this is exactly where in the comics they're starting to like not have as contained individual small short stories. So like they do run right into each other and the consequences of 51 and 52 are directly related to 50. So like it would be almost incomplete not to read them together, but it still feels like two very separate things because the Spider-Man no more stuff from 50 is resolved so quickly. And then it's revisited at the end where it's like, I made the right choice. And it's like, okay, yeah, I mean, of course.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think the thread is still there. And I think it's it's interesting that the the comics kind of choose to deal with this like the consequences of if Spider Man stopped existing and everyone knew that like actually things would go to shit really quickly. I do like that and. And I think that sort of grapples with the importance of Spider-Man as, like, a symbol, essentially. Like, it isn't just, you know, because we can get into it, but I, I think, like, what's interesting about Peter's thought process in quitting Spider-Man in issue 50 is that it's less dramatized in the way that that other iterations sort of dramatize it, mm-hmm. where there's, like, a series of life events that, you know, a bad experiences and life events that drive Peter to just be at wit's end and decide to quit being Spider-Man. Is how we, how we see it in, in many things, like, like Spider-Man 2, for example, like, I I think there's a lot of external factors that basically push Peter to make this internal decision. Um, in this comic, the initial comic, it's it's very much more like Peter almost has a revelation that like, wait, this is fucking insane what I'm doing right now. Like me being a costume vigilante going out in the night and beating people up in a Spider-Man costume is clinically <laughs> unhinged like this doesn't make sense Um, that's what he says that's what he said right that's what he says there's very little that leads up to that and then the, the grappling with it is sort of like wait actually I mean even if it is crazy like there's a lot of good that comes with being spider-man and which we see partially we see the consequences of that and that him not being spider-man means like a gang war automatically erupts and J. J Jonah Jameson almost gets killed so
0: i don't think i would describe it that way like i know that they specifically like he specifically talks about it being like like these are the actions of a madman but i feel like it's presented in such a way where he's like not like uh I, I feel like you presented it in such a way that it's like he is confident that that like the like he's confident in believing that where I feel like he's he is more sort of like driven to question his own sanity, but not in such a like uh like like he's shook. Like he's he's at a point where he's like, Maybe I am a madman, what do I do? Oh my gosh, not just like yeah. wow, this is a terrible choice I'm making that's affecting every facet of my life. I will stop now. Like <laughs> Yeah. Like I feel like he I feel like he kind of quits in a panic, not in like a moment of calm yeah. revelation.
1: Well, yeah, no. I mean, I wasn't trying to present it like it was calm. Like it's still very much like, Am I fucking insane? I am fucking insane. I'm gonna stop. Like that's not yeah, like that's not a that's not a night that's not like a very calm, like, Zen like revelation about his life necessarily. It's just no, I, I agree with you. It's like it's more of a moment of panic and everything. Um, but it's just I just think it's interesting that it's just so much less driven by like the relationships in his life like you know yeah no totally uh,
0: i i I was surprised by that too i was expecting there to be more than just like the pressure of being hated pretty much um yeah. Is sort of like what's revisited here at the at the beginning of of and throughout issue 50 and then it's revisited you know in the other issues but like really like the big primary thing is like he's like tired of being hated, but then also because he is constantly hated and constantly criticized and constantly called a villain and a madman, that's where he sort of is like, maybe I am. Ah." Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was surprised that that's kind of what it was.
1: And there's a little bit of Aunt May was sick. Yeah. Which she always is. I was (laughs) going to say, that's that's,
0: literally constant uh, in the 16s. (laughs) It's just like to the point where it's annoying. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, This is like her fourth heart attack or something. (laughs) It's so (laughs) Uh, yay, yay. Which I know these these issues are coming out monthly, uh, but good goodness. Have a different problem. No, I'm just kidding, that's terrible. But But it
1: almost it almost feels like like you wasted it you wasted this on Aunt May being sick and not like I mean, as cliche it would be as it would be like the girls and his friends being mad at him for not showing up. Which, you know, is what Spider Man two does and I think does to good effect. Like I you had the opportunity there and like they don't really deal with that in these issues. Like everybody's really nice to Peter and really likes him, and it's just like, oh yeah, I guess he won't show up. That's sad that you won't come, but that's fine. I still love you anyway, kind of thing. Like, no, I pop the melodrama yeah. there. Make all the people, make all the people in, make all the people in his life hate him, <laughs> and that drives him to quit being Spider Man. You know? Yeah,
0: i i I think I think Spider Man No More works better when it it feels more selfish, if that makes sense. Where it's sort of like. I'm tired of dealing with all these things uh, that kind of suck about life, like having a shitty social life, not like, like not being there for Aunt May, um, like suffering from my grades and all those things come up in this issue for sure. Like issue 50 is almost just entirely this. Um, Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it didn't really play as much of a role, but you know, you and I had talked about like how much we wondered about them trying to, like, sh- like shift the tone of Peter's social relationships at this point, where, like, not everybody is just sort of being nasty to each other, because it sort of felt like that at the end of, like, yeah. Ditko's <laughs> run, where it was like, good God, like, that was really mean, like, where Gwen and Peter were just, like, being shitty to each other. Yeah. Um, so I-, I don't know if this is an overcorrection, but, uh, but yeah, everybody's pretty, pretty chill with... Uh, with Peter. I think they're I think they're just trying to figure out how to integrate him into a college setting and figure out like can the high school thing still work here? And I think the answer yeah. is like, yeah, just do it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's weird because I still I still like issue fifty, I think, but yeah, just more in too. concept than anything else. I think it is like a very pure distillation of the Spider-Man No More concept and the reason that it's that it's, you know, been something that's stuck in people's heads and been sort of readapted in, in different ways. Throughout the years since then is because I think that is a really compelling idea of just like what if the superhero is just like I'm done with this and I quit and that's what this is. And there's not really anything that much deeper to it, but it's also the first iteration of the story within Spider-Man and probably the first really iteration of this kind of story that. I think is really relatable, you know, whereas if, if Spider, if uh, Superman or Batman or Wonder Woman had the same story, it wouldn't be the same just because of the type of character that Peter Parker and Spider-Man is, yeah. where it, it, this is like a very, if, it feels like a culmination of what has been a constant struggle throughout all 50 issues, so I think that like reading it as a standalone, it might feel kind of o- underwhelming because the, 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 the circumstances around his life aren't that complicated at this stage, but if you, if you take into account everything that's happened over the last few years for him, you could just see this as being sort of the bubbling over moment for all of the bad things that have ever like happened to him as a result of being Spider-Man. Again, I think that future adaptations do it better, but this is a very pure core distillation of that concept.
0: Yeah. I mean, no doubt this is still a huge deal. Like this is another circumstance. We talked about this a little bit with the green goblin as well Is like, like like you just said like this has been redone and revamped and sort of improved upon um but it doesn't change the fact that it's still a huge deal that there's a comic book about Spider-Man who's one of the most popular heroes at the time that basically says like oh yeah this is the issue where he quits by the way and then has that you know full page of him throwing his <laughs> his suit away which has become iconic at this point and has been you know you know homaged that's not the right word but like alluded to and their homages to it in nearly every iteration of spider after spider-man afterward um like it's it's still a huge deal um it's just with with uh with the new adaptations it's so interesting to go back and look at these and be like oh man like it's it's still this at its core, and like when you put it in context, yeah. it's still a huge deal. But like, yeah, they really did kind of tweak it in a couple ways that that make it hit a little bit harder. But it hits a little bit harder because they figure out some of these relationships and sort through a lot of the things that the comic is is trying to sort out like actively.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. And it's still like there's still compelling things in it. You know, I, I think that I remember years and years and years and years and years ago, one of my one of my friends who's a big comic book nerd. Was just talking about why he didn't like the, he he like didn't like Spider-Man Two very much, mm-hmm. um, and one of the things that he pointed out was that like he hated he hates not to go on a Spider-Man Two tangent. You can listen to our commentary for that, but this will be the main time I touch on it. Is that. There's like the bit in Spider-Man 2 during the montage after Peter's quit when like police po- uh, police cars go by and he looks at him like worried for a second and then just like eats his hot dog and, and then just goes about his way. And he was like, Peter Parker wouldn't do that. You know, like he would be, even if he thought he wanted to quit, he would be compelled to help the second he saw danger. And the counter to that, I would say, is that in this issue, he's faced even more directly with like. Be, learning that there's a uh, a robbery of like welfare funds and is even like oh man that's going to affect like underprivileged people every every sort of disadvantaged person will be screwed over by not getting this money um but i'm i'm not i'm not gonna do this i can't do this i can't i can't go out and do it and i'm I'm choosing not to and it's like yeah it's kind of the same thing it really in both cases it takes them to be like in front of like someone either in a burning building or about to literally be murdered in front of his face for him to finally like intervene and i think that that's um i think that that's kind of poignant because it makes his decision to become Spider-Man again, less of like, well, yeah, deep down you were just compelled to do good and more like an actual choice, you know, Yeah. where it is like, yes, I do have the ability to choose not to engage with this and make my personal life better. I can, I have proven to myself that I am capable of doing that, but I have just chosen to live this life anyway, because I know that that's the right thing to do.
0: Yeah. I, I always struggle to, to like fully wrap my head around folks who, like really feel like Peter Parker wouldn't ever quit or Peter Parker wouldn't ever walk away or Peter Parker will always persevere because I feel like that isn't who Peter Parker is like it's always a conscious choice and he is constantly struggling and he is constantly tempted by you know the simple choice to have a better life by not being Spider-Man and to me that that enhances these stories right I think the fact that that he's not forced to stop being Spider-Man. He's not injured in this circumstance. Like, that already happened in the comic to this point, and he continued to be Spider-Man. Like, that didn't force him to quit. Like, that's not what's going on here. It's not like... You know, he's been found out uh, and that forces him to quit. It's not like his life falls apart and that's what forces him to quit. I think what's interesting about this is that no one's forcing it. He just chooses to walk away, and that makes us as an audience be like, "Wait, what hold on? You know what I mean? And I think that makes it yeah. way more compelling and like you said, makes the choice to return to being spider-man uh, have a bigger impact in my mind i think I, I think all spider people always are tempted by not being spider people we know that ultimately they will choose to be spider people again but i don't think you can remove the temptation and the struggle and in almost every case at some point the choice to walk away like i think that is that is like baked into the core i feel like of a lot of spider folks Mm -hmm. (laughs) and this highlights that really well i do love that that uh that that moment where he is considering like, this will really fuck people over, you know, like that's, that was really cool to see. Wasn't expecting that. And definitely is a, a cool element to this version of this story.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anything like pro welfare is always cool. So I like, I like how explicit that is about Mm -hmm. it. And, (laughs) And Yeah. And I mean, and I think that's, that's the thing that I think that's the thing that's really relatable about, about that, that this story is, you know, like we're all sort of, Like, everybody wants to think that they're a good person doing good in the world, but obviously, like, there's that element of, like, self-care and, like, wanting to take care of yourself, too. And I think it's a struggle that a lot of us have is sort of, like, well, where is that line? At one point – at what point am I sacrificing too much of myself to do whatever good or charity or whatever I want to do versus how much am I just taking a step back and – ignoring problems in the world for the sake of my own comfort, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's a complicated line to draw. And and in a weird way, like Peter almost has it kind of is almost in kind of a nice position because he has such a very clear, like, Oh no, you have powers to help you be a superhero to take direct action. So your choice is actually pretty clear. You either do good or you don't do good. Like that's that's where it stops. So I, I just I just think that, that 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 grappling with that is 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 just always really interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk at least a little bit about uh, fifty one and fifty two and Kingpin and all this this sort of uh, gang uh, stuff, this underground stuff. I will say, as I've been reading through these early issues, I do enjoy the sort of underground crime boss stories more than I expected to. Um, mm-hmm. So I did like this as sort of a continuation of the sort of ongoing like struggle to um, take over New York that's been happening. We saw a little bit of it with uh, the Green Goblin stuff when we were talking about the Green Goblin stuff. He had constantly been trying to take over the underground and now he's you know out of the picture for the time being. So then they have to continue mm-hmm. that in some way or I guess they don't have to, but they clearly were interested in in keeping that element. And so then you get Kingpin. Um, and that's pretty much what this is, is like Kingpin has the opportunity with Spider-Man out of the way to try to like unite all underground crime under his, you know, big beefy fist. Um, and then Foswell <laughs> steps in and says like, well, Hey, wait a second. I used to be the big man. So like I got first dibs. Um, and that's how those two characters sort of, sort of enter the fray here. Um, the downfall um, and redemption uh all in a couple episodes of foswell and the introduction of kingpin now you mentioned um there is a ton of as is to be expected (laughs) with the kingpin uh i should have counted how many people insult him for being fat um but i i want to i want to say before we necessarily get into that because i think that stuff is pretty straightforward um, yeah. There is something I do like about it, surprisingly. Yeah. Oh, no, me too. Um, me too. What I, not, I mean, not about the whole, like, generally, but, like, specifically with regards to, like, the constant mentioning and constant insulting of Kingpin for being fat. One thing yeah. that I think, I don't even think that was necessarily intentional because I think it's a little bit more beyond this, the discussion of fat phobia and, like, body positivity that was probably going on in 1967. But one thing that's <laughs> yeah. really interesting is, most of the time when Kingpin is confronted with somebody calling him fat or or uh, insulting him for the way that he looks, Kingpin's responses are nearly always like, think what you want. I know who I am and I know what what strengths I have, so... I yeah. don't care what you call me. I don't care what you think I am. Like, and I was like floored because I was like, holy shit, like Kingpin body is like body positivity king. king. <laughs> he yeah. literally is like, you can call me whatever. You can you can literally just think I'm fat. That's fine. I love myself pretty much. I was like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like the one the one sort of positive thing. Uh, that comes out of, and it it shouldn't have to come out of it at all. But it's like the one positive thing that comes out of two straight issues of people, both good and bad, just insulting Kingpin for being huge.
1: <laughs> it's so weird because it's so part, you know, it's so integral essentially to the way that the character has has been built and stuff. Yeah. there's versions of, of Kingpin out there in other adaptations where it is fat, and he just happens to also be super strong. You know, like he, it's like both. He's like a muscle chub. Like he's, yeah. he's like bat- got, got both fat and muscle. But then there's like, th- like the kind of classic iteration and many other ones. It's sort of like there's not a speck of fat here. It's just that much solid muscle, which is like that's not possible. That's not what it would look like. <laughs> you, it's it's the combination of both, and that's a good thing. Like that's the healthy way to be a bodybuilder. Really, is to look more like you than than look like a, what a lot of professional bodybuilders end up looking like. So like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, But, you know, I just was surprised
0: by that. I wasn't expecting that type of stuff. I was fully prepared just for, you know, people to insult him and then him sort of get mad about it. He never gets Mm -hmm. mad about it ever.
1: Yeah. He's a very, very like, (laughs) I mean, he's not like calm. Like he's got a temper, but it's not really a temper about that. No, it's it's not not like it's a trigger button
0: or anything. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: And why should he care? He can like he can just do flips and crush yep. people with his bare hands and shoot them with his like annihilation cane yeah. ray. So he's fine.
0: It's fully like I used to. I, I I used to. This came up a lot more in the past. I'm men. I'm almost like two decades out of high school now. But um, I used to always tell people like the nicest football players to me. Because I wasn't, like, a necessarily, like, a cool kid or anything. I certainly wasn't a jock. But the nicest football players to me were always, like, the linemen and, like, the biggest dudes. Because, like... Yeah, same. Who were they threatened by? Who do they need to react to? You know what I mean? Right. Like, they... They're not going to have a complex about <laughs> no. anything. Because,
1: like... <laughs> exactly. I'm good, dude. I'm good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what can you say to me? You know? Like... <laughs> Yeah, nothing to prove. They're not compensating for anything.
1: They're all they're all Rand Robertson exactly. from Spider-Man. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah.
1: Like very chill, happy and content in their life. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I get those vibes from Kingpin in the in these couple episodes. That's so funny.
1: Yeah. Um, I like Jameson in these issues too. He's like peak J. Jonah Jameson. Oh my gosh! <laughs> they definitely play. They play him for a lot of comedy, yeah. which and I think it's fun. He like literally runs into like a a pipe and knocks himself out. Oh my like, it's, gosh! I love that. It's like that. there's, it's like slapstick with him, but I think it works and it's on a nice counter. And it
0: matters though. It's like it's not yeah. like, it's not like he runs into a pipe, falls over, and then that's like immediately res- resolved. Like it actually matters. Uh, in a huge way with regards to like Foswell and how that's that part of the story ends that Jameson is a doofus. (laughs) It's great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, speaking of too, I did think it was kind of interesting that when Peter quits being Spider-Man, he also quits the daily bugle, which like, I thought you would have wanted the money, but okay. (laughs) But I guess the idea is that he's quitting because then he can get like a better, more secure job, like with Norman Osborn or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: But he's a total idiot about it because one thing, a little bit more context, Frederick Foswell to this point has been figuring out that Peter Parker is probably Spider-Man. Like this is not the first time that Foswell in the comics is like, that's a really strange coincidence so it's not really a surprise that they kill off Foswell here, um, mm-hmm. but uh, but really, really, like, it's probably a little premature because I would have liked to see that play out a little bit more. Um, but I do think this is sort of as close to they were willing to get to an every, like, like an ordinary everyday person figuring out who Spider-Man was Um so I guess it is surprise. It's it's a little disappointing, but also not super surprising that they would kill off Foswell, given that he was pretty much figured it out.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting stuff. Like I said, I I, I think like I well I will say I kind of wanted there to be more Spidey and JJ stuff in the last issue. I was excited from the cover, and then like they get separated pretty quickly. I was like, that's kind of a bummer. But there's so much action in that last issue that I think resolves a lot of what's going on. That it still ends up working in the end.
0: Yeah. Um, these yeah. issues really, really beginning to embrace the bigger panels, going from oh, the nine yeah. panels to the four panels, and I'm I'm pretty okay with it because they're still pretty, pretty wordy issues. Oh yeah, so I'm I'm happy to have full page uh, panels, four four panel pages because they're still not you know they're still not a sprint of an issue. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah. No, it still takes a I mean, the, Stan's dialogue is just off the chain <laughs> so sometimes.
0: My, sometimes.
1: My favorite thing, I mean, there's a lot of just great, sometimes incomprehensible lines from characters where it's just like, I don't know how much of this is like a dated lingo and how much of it is just Stan just like filling out a word bubble with as many words as possible. <laughs> and it doesn't even mean anything. Um There's one that I like that, to be fair, I think they, like, make a joke about, like, I don't understand what you just said, but there's, like, I think it's a newscaster or reporter or something like that who's, like, do you feel that the human arachnids' proclivities preclude the possibility of this being merely a monumental bit of chicanery? (laughs) It's, like, and there's no reason, like, there's no reason for that other than the joke of someone being, like, I don't understand a word you just said. And it's, like, Stan, were you just filling out the page with words like did you draw the word did somebody draw the word bubble too big and you were like oh no (sighs) i need to add more words here my
0: my least favorite panels although they're always funny to an extent like that one um my least favorite panels are always the one that are like they go from one side of the page to the other and it's just like seven people that we're never gonna see again all saying (laughs) just some random thing about the situation it happens all the time when it's like seven people on the street discussing the latest Daily Bugle headline. And it's like, I, I'm i going to read all this, Stan. You know I'm going to read all this. Can we not? <laughs> but there's it's always so at funny. least one good joke in there, and usually more than one.
1: <laughs> and it's clearly out of love, too. Like, it's just because yeah. he loves oh, writing. Sure. He just loves writing dialogue. And, like, you feel it because it's like, yep, everybody talks a lot.
0: <laughs> yep, yep, yep. ay, ay. ay.
1: <laughs> it's fun though I really do love I think I've gotten it more you know as we've been going through these old issues for the podcast I feel like this issue more than the other ones we've read so far I've gotten just lots of just bizarre 60s lingo that again oh I don't even know was like really actual slang or versus was Stan just like saying weird shit trying like, it to make could go dad happen way, to be honest my God.
0: Do you know what's wild is I didn't realize like son I knew was, was lingo. That I knew was a thing people said to each other because I've seen that in other media. I had yeah. no idea that dad I know daddy is not the same, but like I didn't realize dad like kind of already happened.
1: And yeah. it happened like, and, like
0: decades ago. <laughs> like I and knew, the fact like, that Daddy-o. they call people right exactly, exactly Daddy O like, like, I'd have heard. Dad. But just like dad. Mary
1: Jane Mary Jane just casually referring to Peter as dad. But so does Harry. Just just like,
0: like it's not even just, it's not even, it's so bizarre because everybody calls everybody. Well, everybody calls men, dad and son as like a way to say like, bro, like it's so bizarre.
1: What kind of weird edible stuff was going on at the time? (laughs) All 'all? of it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's so strange. Like, Like, daddy is, like, not my favorite slang now, but there's, like, a tinge of humor to it always, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, This feels so much worse. and Like, it's... uh, I don't know.
1: (laughs) No, I say we bring that shit back. Everybody's dad now.
0: No, no, no. I I spend enough energy uh, being at peace with everybody using daddy in the year 2021. I can't add dad to that as well.
1: (laughs) (laughs) How do you follow my twitter feed. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> uh,
0: a lot of incense and meditation <laughs> wow sorry <laughs> no it's fine um no like i said it's it's like and maybe it was funny then like it, i'm i'm sure it was all like yeah. uh sort of lighthearted and fun and funny then too but like i don't like we don't have the context for it and we don't like live in the context. So I'm sure it would be the exact same thing. That's what Daddy is now, right? It's like, yeah, I it's yeah. it's uh, I don't think about it too much because it's usually funny. Yeah, yeah. In this case, I'm forced to think about it. <laughs> like, why? where did got that come from? All those
1: daddies, Doug. There's just so many daddies around. No.
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, there's there's just so much fun lingo. I I I stopped taking notes on it after a while. It's like, what is a piker? I don't know. A job I'd give my eye teeth for. You. I don't know what that. What does means. that mean? What are doing? No idea. No, I. I don't think I want to know. <laughs> oh, Peter, you're such a caution. What does that I mean? Don't know. What? That's one
0: that Aunt May is used. It's weird because Aunt May. I, I. I think that that is probably supposed to be outdated slang, even at the time, because there's a running joke <laughs> of Aunt May getting pussy cat wrong and calling Peter a pussy willow all the time. That's hilarious. So I think that. Ca- I'm. I'm assuming caution must be like, <laughs> like, like. Aunt May Young slang, and she's probably like out of date. But I, even then, I don't know because it all feels outdated to me.
1: <laughs> yeah, everybody's just daddies and pussy
0: willows. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Dads. Dads. Why? I almost wish it were daddy. <laughs> it's, so, hey. it's so strange that it's dad.
1: They recognize they recognize uh, the power of of the daddies long before we did.
0: But that's. That's what I'm saying, though, is, like, most adults don't actually call their parent, like, their male parents daddy. So it's, like, easier to separate the slang daddy now. Yeah, sure. Like, from what it actually is. Uh, Like, you can assume, and and in this case, you can assume it based on context, but, like, I don't know. Daddy, for some reason, feels further away from father, which is why I still feel like it's kind of weird, but, like, dad literally is just what a lot of adults call their own dads. It's like me too. It's like, it's yeah. even more baffling to me. Yeah. It's, it's so confusing. I've, I've, I would, I'm ready for the seventies. Uh, amazing Spider-Man. I'm ready for new slang.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm not. Give me all the dads.
0: <laughs> well, what else? Is there anything left on this one?
1: i'm sure there is but i'm good uh, that's uh, it's uh, it's it's it is it's interesting to revisit it wasn't as riveting to read these issues as it was reading some of the ear- the previous ones that we've read yeah. for for our podcast um i get like it stands out for a reason but it's just uh it it's it's it doesn't hold up as well as some other stories from this era did it's more like the concept holds up extremely well and the imagery holds up extremely well, but the actual mechanics of the story are very like first, like they feel like the first iteration of it. Like they, they, you know, like it feels like this was your impetus to get better later on.
0: I think that this more than some of the stuff we've talked about and and more so even than like some of the introductions of villains feels more like a, you had to be there, um yeah, than, definitely, than definitely. a lot of other stuff and that isn't to say that we can't see what the significance is that has more to do with just the feeling like obviously yeah. the impact on us having seen a number of stories and this isn't fair like obviously but it just is what yeah, it is yeah. the impact just can't be the same you know
1: it's more from an enjoyment factor right. than it is like an analysis factor because analytically and historically totally makes sense that it was a big deal at the yep. time and it still is a big deal in the terms of like the spider-man canon you know yeah um and and in like peter parker's overall arc over the last uh, however many years 40 50 years or whatever yeah. um so you know it i get it, i totally get it yeah. just surprised that it wasn't as as sucked in as i wanted to be yeah. good stuff good stuff yeah, good stuff daddy <laughs>
0: Well, like we said at the top of this, if you enjoy us talking about comics, there's a whole lot more of it over on our patreon if you become a patron at any level i believe you have access to pretty much all of those uh, and that starts at just a dollar you can check that out at patreon.com slash walloping web snappers and of course check out our discord there should be a link in the show notes and there is a channel for comics in there uh you can also find derek and me all over the place on the internet derek where can people find you and the things that you are working on Sure you can
1: find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale you can also find my podcast Gimmicks which looks at the high concept experimental structure breaking gimmick episodes of television with a different show and a different guest every week come on out anywhere you get your podcasts or on Twitter and Instagram at
0: gimmickspod. what about you Doug. You can find me on Twitter at IckyBooley, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. And if you like Pokemon, you can listen to me on another podcast here on the 4-Eyed Radio Network called Victory Road. It's a Pokemon podcast uh, where we talk about things in the world of Pokemon just as they're happening. And if you like books and video games, you can listen to me on Novel Gaming, a podcast I do with my friends Katie and Vicky where we catch up on all the media we have been consuming lately. Also, check out our monthly podcast, Falling with Style, an ongoing Pixar movie marathon where we watch every Pixar film chronologically Our episode on Luca is out next week wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us on our website at wallopingwebsnappers.com and please follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at wallopingwebpod or email us at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe on all podcast platforms because if you like what we're doing, somebody else will too and they just have not heard about us yet. Next week we return to the 1981 Solo Spider Show with... The Sandman is coming. Ooh, the Sandman's doing what now? Oh, boy. See ya. Bye. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, just
1: whatever a spider can. Spins away, then it sounds, and matches the ears just like time
0: to get. Even from the spider can. This is strong, this is good, it has got babies,
1: no. I'm there, to